This is Jamie Allabach coming at you on the Peppered Podcast, where I bring season talk for food and beverage marketing professionals. On today's show, we're going to be talking about snacking. And look, who doesn't love snacking? Those crispy, crunchy, munchy, chewy, salty, sweety, meaty, fruity snacks. It's the personification of feel-good food. Whether it's comfort food for you, whether it's a quick meal replacement, an after-school snack for the kids, a little me time, or a gathering with family and friends, snacks are a must. And that's what we're going to be talking about on the show. Today, my guest is David Walsh. He's Vice President of Snack International. Snack is the leading international trade association for the snack industry. Snack represents over 400 companies worldwide, including snack suppliers, brands, marketers, manufacturers, in both the traditional and emerging snack categories. We're going to be talking about what's hot in snacking, from trends to what's new and better for you snacks, to the shift in consumer behavior, and much, much more. So without further ado, let's get the show started. Hey, David, glad to have you on the podcast. Welcome. Hey, Jamie. Great to be here. Thank you. I love snacking, and and I'm excited to talk about snacks. We all know that snacking is evolving. Today's snacking isn't what it was 20 years ago. The future of snacking most certainly doesn't look like it looks like now. Uh, The old idea of snacking, uh, of just holding us over to the next meal, is, is really no longer in play, or grabbing a bag of quick chips or pretzels, or that snacking isn't really good for us. I mean, these ideas are, are kind of old thinking when it comes to snacking, right? Yeah, Jamie, that's exactly right. I mean, it's still all those things you mentioned, but today it's it's so much more than that, and that's really why the global market is expected to reach $639 billion in sales by 2023, according to the research firm, uh, firm Mortar Intelligence. And really, all individual snack categories have posted sales increases over the last several years, and that's led by a few specific categories. I know we'll talk a little bit more about today, but but really by snack bars, meat snacks, especially jerkies and cookies and crackers. Um, and according to IRI, over the last year, total food and beverage sales and total store sales increased by 2.2%. That's significant, but total snacks, that increased by 3.8% over the last year, which is, is really tremendous that snacks are, are outpacing total food and beverage sales. And if you look at the total store sales, they're outpacing total st- store sales as well. So I know we're going to get into this a little bit more detail, but consumers are snacking really everywhere at all times of the day, which has led to a redefined category that is now spanning all aisles of the of the grocery store. It's an amazing trend, isn't it? I mean, yeah. we, we know that snacking is, is everywhere now. New snacks seem to be popping up every day. The snacking category is obviously growing in, in many ways. Um, what, are, what are some things that are, that are fueling this growth uh, in the industry? Yeah, and that, and that really leads me to the, to the next point. It's all really being caused by this undercurrent of a shift in lifestyle for today's consumer. It's really one of the most, if not the most exciting consumer packaged goods category. And that's really evidenced by the explosion in sales of the category uh, as a whole. So you mentioned uh, snacking as meal replacements. That's really more true in 2018 than, than ever before. Today, 90% of consumers snack multiple times per day. Almost 10% of consumers never even eat a traditional meal and they just graze 
all day, every day. So, so sit-down meals are really down. Snacking is up. And that's really causing consumers to, to rely on the category much more. That, and that's really transforming the category. We're seeing a lot of new ingredients, a lot of healthier ingredients, healthier snacks, snacks that really provide and, and are responsible for providing a lot more of the nutrition uh, than they ever had to before. Yeah, and another thing is, is is you know this has to be influencing it as well as what you just said is people are so stressed for for time than they've ever been, you know so smaller meals snacking um, is replacing meals. This is this is really you know a hot trend, and you're seeing this more and more with the you know hearty snacks, the better for you snacks, things that really are are more than just you know a handful of chips and pretzels. How how is this impacting the industry as a whole? Yeah, Jamie, that's exactly right. And it's really a trend that spans all generations, whether it's boomers, Gen X, Gen Z, millennials. On average, all consumers are snacking more and more frequently. However, if we zoom in on the younger generations like millennials, Gen Zers, they're really leading this this charge. So millennials are most likely to replace meals with snacks. Uh, when surveyed, 92% of millennials replace at least one meal per, per week with a snack. And they've often been referred to as this on-the-go generation. But I think all generations are increasingly... Uh, on the go. So I know we're going to talk more about this a little bit later, but the industry is still tackling several changes with e-commerce and snacks, but that number is likely to grow and grow in the coming years because consumers don't yet buy all their snacks online. But but really this this on-the-go trend, this this decline in sit-down meals has really caused certain categories of snacks to explode over the last five years. Um, for example, beef jerky sales grew nearly 7% last year. That's a huge number. And it's not just in the U.S. either. Globally, the meat snack market is expected to register a compound annual growth rate of 9% uh, through 2023. So we've also seen foods that, that may not have been traditionally treated as snacks now being marketed and consumed as snacks or meal replacements. So when I was in elementary school, I remember being envious of classmates who had the old uh, classic Lunchables in their lunchboxes, right? So the category has absolutely exploded recently because of the snacking meal replacement trend. According to IRI, that category that Lunchables fall into grew 45% over the last year, and it's really uh, transformed as a category. It's being marketed to adults. It's been revamped. We're seeing products like like those P3 portable protein packs. It's all about protein, right? And Hillshire snacking small plates with ingredients like, like apple chardonnay bacon, Gouda cheese, nuts, fruits, all those things packaged in, in one package. You can you can really see through the package, see exactly what you're getting. And it's really being marketed as a, a healthy premium meal replacement snack. Yeah, and you and you mentioned, you know, when you were younger, you know, I, I, I was thinking the same thing, you know, as I was prepping for the show, you know, that that this was this was a no no when I was a kid, you know. I mean, it, snacks were not considered good for you in any way. They were to hold you over, and if you were lucky, you could get a pretzel or a handful of chips or some crackers or something in between. But now these are legitimately mini meals, especially with some of the newer snack options, you know, that are providing key nutrients, better for you ingredients, other functional benefits. It's not just indulgent, although we're going to talk about indulgent, but many. Many of these snacks now are are healthy, part of a healthy, balanced diet, right? 
Yeah, exactly. And, and really, we're seeing anything can be packaged as a snack nowadays. How about a two-pack two of uh, hard-boiled eggs sold at a gas station or packs of carrots and hummus sold at a convenience store or bananas at every convenience store checkout aisle, bags of mixed fruits, nuts, trail mixes sold at Bed Bath & Beyond? Everything can be considered a snack, and that's really getting getting more and more towards the uh, the blurred line effect uh, that we talk a lot about here. But but in the intro, you mentioned snacks as a way to hold you over. It's still that, and all snacks can be still part of a healthy, balanced diet. But for the consumers that are ever reliant now on our growing category, uh, more and more, they're looking for their snacks to also be functional. So things like high fiber, protein, whole grains, calcium fortified, vitamins, minerals, antioxidants, probiotics, that list can go on and on uh, really forever. Um, and in fact, 88% of consumers are willing to pay more for foods they perceive as healthy. Sometimes it's just perception and a trend trend based on whatever the diet is in. But the fact remains, consumers are, are willing to, to get out their wallets to, to pay for something that they think is going to make them feel good and hold them over until, until later and, and get them that nutrition that they need. Yeah, yeah, I agree 100%. So let's talk about some of the the innovation in healthier snacking. We just we just mentioned some of the functional foods and snacking, the better for you ingredients. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, some of the trends that are that are driving this and obviously the rise of health conscious consumers and and people leading an overall better for you lifestyle. They're, you know, they're exercising more, they're they're watching the they're reading ingredients, they're watching what they're putting in their bodies. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how has this changed the landscape for for snacking? I mean, I know when I the companies that we work with, I mean, many of them just just go crazy looking at you know their ingredients and man, how do we clean up this ingredient list? How do we how do we get on this trend and and be able to provide the kind of snacks and foods that that consumers are looking for? Right, exactly. And you mentioned this change in, in lifestyle. It's an increased focus on health and wellness. Consumers are, are really much more educated than ever before. They're more perceptive also. They're taking really a more holistic view of their health, and that really includes both their lifestyle and their diet. They're also more connected with their brands than ever before on social media. You know better than, better than I. Um, but they want to eat food from a company that stands for really what they stand for, especially with younger generations. The foods they choose are part really part of their identity, their persona, their personal brand. They want to Instagram what they eat. They want to feel good doing so, and they want to influence others to try what they're eating. So it's also that lifestyle shift I mentioned earlier and how more and more consumers are becoming so reliant on the category for their nutrition. And really, snack makers are are responding to that demand with a lot of innovative new products. Yeah, they absolutely are. Hey, look, we can't have a conversation about snack innovation without talking about veggie snacks. Uh, But, you know, this, this idea of you know, veggie crisps and veggie chips, I mean, that was hot, you know, several years ago. And, and to me, it seems somewhat passe uh, what's going on. I mean, you've got cauliflower snacks, you've got, you know, plantains, peas, beets, green beans. I mean, bean in general seems to be just going through the roof. And then, right. you know, you've got fruit and everything in between. You've got crisps, puffs, corners, slims, poppers, bars, chewies, and it goes <laughs> on and on. I mean, innovation in this space is just crazy. I mean, what's, what's happening here? 
It is crazy, and, and snacks with all those alternative alternative ingredients you mentioned are growing more quickly than than traditional snacks, actually, and they have a lot more room to grow. Also, uh, through 2019, those alternative ingredient snacks are projected to grow 6.2 percent. For example, uh, snacks made with beans you mentioned are projected to grow 25 percent through 2020, and snacks made with chickpeas are projected to grow 35 percent uh, through 2020. So, so really sticking with that healthy snacking trend, it's just what more and more consumers want right, from our category. Nothing drives innovation as much as consumer demand. Nutrition is just, it's really just table stakes for many food manufacturers now. It's what really gets them on the menu. But the snacks that are really gaining their consumer stomach share, those are the snacks that are, are really delivering nutrition and much more. I'm talking about added health benefits like antioxidants, probiotics. Last year, for example, 60% of consumers surveyed uh, wanted additional health benefits beyond just nutrition from their snacks, which is actually up eight points uh, from the prior year. And I wouldn't be surprised if that number just, just increases even more. Likewise, 59% of consumers want snacks that contain vitamins and minerals. So it's really fruit and veggie snacks are letting consumers get their servings of these important food groups uh, in the all-important, convenient, portable way that, that is really so important to, the, to today's consumer. I mentioned earlier that, the, sorry, the, the, the blurring of, of lines between the once clear and distinct food categories. That's really a great example of items from the produce aisle making their way over to the snack aisle. We talk a lot here about the snack category that's been redefined. It's been redefined by snacks spanning really all aisles of the grocery store. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I was I was at recently at Expo East, and mm. you know, some of the hottest stuff out there was plant based. I mean, plant based snacks are super hot now. From you know, they're providing for not just for vegetarian and vegans, but for everyone. Everyone's enjoying them, and I'm not talking about you know just the just the veggie sticks and crisps and puffs and things like that. I mean, I'm talking about this new trend towards plant based snacks and foods. I mean, you've got different crackers and bites and bars. I mean, I saw ice cream. There's different types of, you know, sweet snacks, um, tons of different types of superfoods in these plant-based. Um, I had some, I, I, I tasted this, this quinoa, uh, quinoa chocolate snack by, by this group called Undercover Chocolates, and it was phenomenal. I mean, it's not, if you would have just given that to me and said, here, try this, and not tell me that this is a, you know, a plant-based, better-for-you snack, I, I never would have known. I mean, I would eat that. not right? Yeah. I mean, I would literally <laughs> eat that any time, and it was super delicious and indulgent, and I, I, I didn't even think for a second that this is, this is a plant-based. I mean, I mean, what do you see happening in this space as far as plant-based? I mean, do you see how how far do you see this this going? Yeah, I mean, superfoods, alternative veggies, plant-based, all that's really just in today, and it's showing up in the snack category, especially. There's a growing uh, overall social sentiment for for veganism. Veganism, uh, vegan snacks grew 36% over the last year. That's just a gigantic number, um, according to global data. 47% of U.S. consumers believe pea protein has a positive impact on their health, and that number is just growing. We see more and more plant-based inclusions. I mentioned earlier that chickpea and bean-based snacks are projected to grow in the future, um, but really protein is driving the savory snacks, and, and these new ingredients are really benefiting because of this. Sweet potatoes, beets, parsnips, other root veggie chips continue to grow, but like you said, you tried that quinoa snack and wouldn't wouldn't have known, and um, it was just still an indulgent, great-tasting snack. All these health trends and, and plant-based ingredients, alternative ingredients, none of 
that can come at the expense of, of taste. If a snack still doesn't, you know, doesn't taste good, consumers still won't try it. So that's that's still above all uh, the number one number one attribute that consumers are looking for. Yeah, I, I agree 100%. I mean, I remember back, you know, in the early 90s when I did a lot of work in the natural products industry. I still do. But it, it was okay back then if you had a snack that tasted like cardboard or whatever because it just, mm-hmm. you know, hey, a healthy snack is a good snack. I don't care if it didn't taste good and, and you were just happy to be able to snack on anything at all. But that just doesn't, it doesn't cut it today. I mean, it has to taste great. It has to taste equal or better to just regular snacks and indulgent indulgent foods that we have. Is that is that right? Exactly right. Taste, you know, still reigns supreme. Uh, a poll found that 63% of consumers ate their most recent snack as a treat for themselves. So it's still they're still they still need that that indulgent aspect uh, in their snack foods. And this has really led to an uh, innovation in flavors, especially. Snackers are getting much more adventurous with their flavor palettes, preferring things like bolder, more worldly, ethnic flavors. And snack producers are really satisfying this need. Um, there's a lot more spicy, a lot more crazy flavors out there than ever before. Uh, also, according to IRI, 50% of consumers eat snacks that add excitement to their daily diet. So they want to be excited by new flavors as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, and, and I was I was really intentional uh, when, when I was preparing for this podcast that I just didn't I didn't want to fall into that old school mentality that we talked about earlier, that that snacking is just salty snacks and that it's just chips or whatever. I mean, it's not not what we're talking about here. I mean, you can't you can't disregard that, obviously, because it's still a mega part of the of the snacking industry. But what are other types of snacks? I mean, we've we've alluded and talked about some along the way here, but what are some new ones that have burst into the scene uh, in this new era of innovation? Yeah, and it's a huge list. And I go back to your earlier question about kind of these cool new distinctive ingredients. One of the categories that's that's really uh, being driven by this trend is the the puffs category, which is made through some combination of of baking and extrusion. That's part of the manufacturing process. But the process really lends itself to, to plant-based and incorporating some of these new uh, distinctive ingredients. Cheese puffs, Cheetos, cheese balls, all those types of products will always be near and dear uh, to snackers' hearts. But things like lentils, pulses, peas, chickpeas, whole seeds, ancient grains, uh, which are found to be uh, found more and more. They're, they're seen, as, seen as not overly processed, and it's really increasingly important to today's consumer. Also, tortilla chips with, with healthy inclusions have exploded in popularity. Uh, the manufacturing process for tortilla chips really lends itself to this trend, so tortilla chips are now being made with things like chia seeds, flax, black beans, quinoa, kale, squash, etc. The list, list can go on and on, um, but they really provide that added health benefit. Uh, but they still satisfy the, the salty snack uh, taste consumers are craving. And we mentioned earlier about probiotics. I know we're going to talk a little bit more about this, but how about uh, I saw a kombucha bar recently from Vegan Rob's. I know we'll, you know, again, talk about probiotics, but a snack bar made with kombucha is just such a different kind of snack than we're, we're accustomed to thinking about. Yeah, yeah. How about it? Let's, in fact, let's just jump right into that. So according to some research from New Hope Network, nearly 50% of consumers today want to add probiotics to their daily routine, yet only 19% currently consume probiotic foods and beverage. Uh, so probiotic market is definitely growing. Fermented foods, um, and, and, and especially in the drinks, have been, have been driving this. What, talk a little bit more about what you're, what you're seeing here. You mentioned the bar, but I know that there's tons of other things happening uh, in the snacking industry when it comes to probiotics. 
Sure, definitely growing and, and definitely a lot of room to grow also is still a relatively new trend. Um, as I pointed to earlier, a majority of consumers now want added added benefits beyond just nutrition from their snacks. So there's again, there's still a lot of room to grow here because many consumers are still learning about the benefits of that good bacteria can have on their health, like probiotics. Last year, I, I might not even have even known what, what that was, and that's, that's really kind of exploded onto the scene. So we're seeing new products such as chips that are seasoned with probiotic strains uh, to appeal to these new consumers. And really to hammer home the numbers you just mentioned, 40% of consumers want snacks with probiotics. So snack bars are another category where we're seeing this. There's really more and more um, that, that include probiotics. Overall, the probiotic craze is driving 1% of overall snacking growth, but there's really tremendous growth in specific category segments. Over 50% growth of nutritional health value bars with probiotics, nearly 50% for nutritional snacks and trail mixes with probiotics, and over double, over 120% for dried fruit with probiotics. Yeah, tons of fruit. You're seeing tons of dried fruit, fruit out there and great stuff too. Um, so how about, how about premium snacks? You know, quality ingredients, different types of seeds and superfoods. You just you just listed a bunch just a minute minute ago, and things like gourmet cooking oils and different types of techniques and processes. You know, these are all you're seeing these everywhere now as well. But these drive up the costs of snacks, right? Um, it, we know there's a demand for this. Absolutely, are consumers willing to pay more? Is the question. Are they willing to pay more for for something that 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 is made with these premium premium ingredients? Well, they really are. Uh, really, almost all consumers are willing to pay more for snacks that they they perceive as healthy. Eighty-eight percent, in fact. Uh, premium snacks aren't really driving the cost of total snacking up overall, but there are certainly more premium snacks to be had out there. So snacks that consumers perceive as things like artisanal or made by sourcing local quality ingredients are becoming more and more preferred. Um, this is especially evident in, th in, for example, the jerky category. Natural forms of jerky, such as products labeled as organic, grass-fed, no antibiotics, they're really earning a premium price and continue to grow. There's a, there's a growing segment of consumers that simply are just willing to pay more for the things they care about in their food. Yeah, the, the, the polar opposite of plant-based are all these meat snacks that are popping up all over right. the place and really good, different. Uh, like you said, better for you, antibiotic-free, you know, um, you know, no growth promotants, organic stuff, and it's and it's great, great snacks. Um, so let's keep going with this ingredient thing, and let's talk about uh, sourcing, like source verification for ingredients, the demand for for local uh, origins of different types of ingredients, you know, fair trade. You know, look, you know, I see all the time snacks that are, that are sourcing ingredients and things like that from Honduras, South America, you know, Africa, India, and all over the place. How, how is this playing into, into this trend, uh, of, of, of more premium and ingredients and source verification and all that sort of thing? Sure, and it's kind of twofold. You mentioned sourcing ingredients from, from other parts of the world. I think that really speaks to consumers' preference and growing trend for um, eating more worldly, bold flavors and, and more ethnic flavors. So that's one thing. And then, and then on the other hand, there's also the huge trend of, of locally sourced, right? Consumers really think that's almost synonymous today with, with healthy. Going local is not a new trend. You know, we've seen this trend 
playing out in other industries like the craft beer industry. It seems like more and more a locally brewed craft beer is on every menu at every restaurant. Travelers also want to eat at restaurants the locals eat at when visiting new cities. And that, that trend is really being played out in the snack arena also. We just talked about jerky, alternative types of jerky, such as things like turkey jerky, elk jerky, chicken jerkies. These kinds of alternative jerkies give the the quote-unquote local impression and are also seen as as premium and, and can get that that higher price. So it's really why farmer markets are so popular these days, right? Consumers, especially younger generations, want to know exactly where their food came from. If it's a potato chip, where was the potato farmed? What was the farmer's name? What was the potato's name? Just kidding. <laughs> but, uh, you the, never, hey, you yeah. never know nowadays. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, but but the local trend is it's really playing itself out also in flavor innovation. So we take a look at the rise of, of food trucks popularity, right? So food trucks being you know they bring that those international foods to the local demographic, provide a local feel. Uh, serving up food on the street. We're seeing some of these types of flavors pop up in the snack industry also. Manufacturers are putting the quote-unquote street in the bag. For example, one of our members, Wise Foods, launched a a food truck's classic line of of chips uh, in the past year or so with flavors such as things like Korean barbecue and grilled cheeseburger. Um, But generally, the food industry today is also more about transparency than ever before. And food makers are really communicating to consumers through through their package. Yeah, you're seeing you're seeing a lot of the the changes in packaging where where consumers are reading more than ever, and they want to know they want to know all of that stuff, and it can make a big big difference in whether they buy your brand or someone else's brand. So let's let's shift gears a little bit here. So we know we've been talking a lot about the better for you snacks, the premium snacks, and we know all that's on trend, and we know that there's crazy growth happening, but the reality is is that most of the snacking, the volume, is occurring in the mainstream snacking aisle. And, and most consumers, it's still really about enjoyment, treating, you know, bridging between meals. Um, I remember reading you know, a stat a number of years ago. I don't know if this is old, old data or whether it's still current, but it was something like potato chips represented 30-plus percent of all snacking, and, and pretzels were, were second place. Is, is that still accurate data? Is that, is that still truth that, 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 you, that the potato chips and pretzel category still pretty much dwarf everything else when it comes to volume? I mean, especially with potato chips, there, there's certainly some truth to that. Potato chips are still really the granddaddy of all snack categories, right? America's most popular snack food. It really depends on kind of how you divide the category and what kinds of products you count in the overall snack category. But potato chips are no doubt the top seller, and I've estimated to make up for somewhere around, like you said, a third of the total salty snacks market with with really over $7 billion in sales. So it's a huge market. As for a second, you mentioned pretzels. Again, it depends on kind of your category definitions, but really tortilla chips could be considered the second highest selling salty snack. And in terms of overall snacks, the cracker, cookie, and bar categories are each just a, a little bit smaller than potato chips uh, category as well. But really, the story with potato chips, the fact that that such a colossal category is still growing year after year with all the new snacking options out there is really, truly impressive. And I think there will always be a special place uh, in all of our hearts for potato chips. There's perhaps no no better gathering food. And, And we've seen, you know, we see it through evidence through the major snacking occasions like Super Bowl, Memorial Day, Fourth of July. Potato chips and tortilla chips always have huge spikes in growth around those occasions. So they're really just great great party foods. And then I could talk about potato chips, you know, on and on, but consumers still always have their favorite flavor. Um, 
there's a stat out there that the top five potato chip flavors represent 93% of the industry. But the other 7% is really where the excitement is happening. We're seeing all kinds of potato chip flavors like Moscow Mule and Korean barbecue kettle chips, Himalayan pink sea salt, teriyaki ginger, roasted jalapeno, the list goes on. And, and really, kettle chips are becoming more and more popular. They're, they're kind of seen as, as more authentic, a homemade style product. And it's really the potato chip category is really the perfect category for testing out some of these new and exciting flavors to draw the consumer in and, and really pique their interest. Yeah, I mean, we can talk about, you know, tremendous growth and all of these new innovations. Oh, this is growing 500%. This has grown 1,000%. But, but really, you walk down the snack aisle and you see the real estate that's still allocated for, for just chips and pretzels. It's, right. it's, it's, it's kind of a litmus test. It says that, that's not going away anytime, anytime soon. Proof is right there, exactly. It is. Um, let's talk about snacking occasion. Um, are there are there snacking occasions that are showing up in research that you're seeing um, that are significantly different than than the norm? I mean, I guess as a marketer and advertiser, we're always trying to, you know, to to market brands around specific occasions. Is there anything different there that's shifting? Yeah, and the snacking occasion is a really interesting thing to look at, and it really goes hand-in-hand with the transformation of the category as a whole, Um, really because all snack categories, old and new, are now incorporating new ingredients. Uh, Many snacks are being enjoyed during occasions we wouldn't typically expect, and and really because consumers are snacking at all times of the day, snack categories are in turn – adapting. So it's creating this kind of cycle of evolution. So consumers more than ever snack again at all times of the day. And in fact, last year snacking accounted for half of all eating occasions. And that number is, is only growing. Um, a good example of this, and it's one that we heard from one of our speakers from Euromonitor at our trade show Snacksbo last year, uh, but he accurately dubbed the war on breakfast. So I mentioned, I don't believe I did mention, but, but Belvita breakfast bars, that product really exploded onto the breakfast scene five years ago, and we've seen more and more examples since. They advertise, I believe, as providing three hours of sustained energy and are perfect for, for either the on-the-go person who doesn't want to spend time making breakfast or before work or, you know, just doesn't have the time so um it's really really a huge product there or how about jack link's am breakfast sausage whoever thought of eating jack links for breakfast but they came out with this breakfast product and saw part of this this war on breakfast so snacking can take on on breakfast you know what occasion uh, couldn't it take um, yeah, yeah i mean i take on i personally snack more in the morning than i do in the afternoon i have there you, you know, go I have, I have nuts in the morning you know smoothie in the morning different types of you know you know fruit you know and jerky and things like that to just you know multiple like you said earlier multiple little mini meals before you know before lunch and i I never did that when 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 i was younger but in 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 my in a better for you lifestyle that i've adopted it just it works works for me for sure right and like drinkable smoothies that's a huge you know drinkable yogurts uh, packaged yogurts that's that's a huge category also and it's, it's just you know perfect for any occasion especially breakfast yep so in the same vein of occasions um Planning versus impulse. You know, as 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 a marketer and advertiser, you know, I know brands need to plan for both of these. So we want to both be on the list of people that are you know are planning, but we also want to be there for that impulse buy um, at the shelf. What what are you hearing again here? You know, just like occasions, what are you hearing that's different with consumers with 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 planning versus impulse? 
Yeah, and planning and impulse are both huge for a category. I mean, especially impulse. We found that the younger generations are more prone to, to impulse purchases, while older generations are more about planning ahead. But really, without impulse purchases, our category would look a whole lot different. And, and who hasn't bought a snack near the checkout aisle or in the convenience store simply because they wanted to try it or because it's their favorite product? I mean, impulse snacking cuts across all demographics. Big city, rural town, old, young, everyone makes impulse purchases from time to time. And, and it's just huge for our category. Uh, that's why 18% of all savory snack purchases were done via convenience stores or forecourt retailers, uh, again, according to Euromonitor. Uh, there's also been a 25% growth in C-store channels, so it really speaks to that, that convenience and on-the-go and portability trend that I, I mentioned earlier. Um, and a majority of savory snack purchases at C-stores are actually those impulsive purchases. They're unplanned. However, really, the prevalence of, of e-commerce and, and click-and-collect stores, uh, that's really causing a decline in the overall frequency of store visits, and that could pose a threat to, to overall impulse purchases. It's a big number with those C-stores. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And it just, again, it speaks to that on-the-go you know, convenience trend. If it's not convenience now in the snack category, it's, 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 it's really not on the menu. I mean, the smaller, um, smaller portion sizes, smaller packaging sizes have been growing and growing and growing the last several years. And those bigger pillow bags that we used to see more frequently like at the, at the uh, Costco's and, and club stores have been in the decline for the last several years. Yep, yep. Well, one more question as it pertains to uh, consumer behavior. Uh, emotion has always been, you know, a major aspect of, of snacking. In advertising, you know, this is this is a key a key trigger that we always focus on, the emotional aspect of, of advertising. With everything we discussed here, um, is emotion still one of the key drivers for, for snackers? Oh, of course, it's huge, and, and you know better than, than I that playing to emotions is, is really number one in marketing, like you said. Um, we say it here all the time that, that above all else, snacking is really meant to be fun, and it's hard to talk about your favorite snack or enjoy your favorite snack without a smile coming to your face. So, so snacks are, are really often at the center of family gatherings, reunions, summer fun, you name it, uh, but they're often great memories and emotions associated with anyone's favorite snack food, and, and snack marketers are really, really adept at playing to these emotions. Yep. So you just mentioned uh, a minute ago about uh, online. So, you know, you hear all the time, you know, every, all the time when we're talking about marketing with brands, uh, they're, they're wanting to do more and more e-commerce. Um, I know millennials buy tons of snacks and everything else online. Uh, how has this, um, in particular Amazon, how has this impacted snack brands? Yeah, well, there's a huge growth opportunities for snacks online, and that's because most consumers still still aren't there yet. They, they buy other things online, but not as much snacks as, as they could and, and, and will in the future. Uh, today, 90% of snacks are still sold through brick-and-mortar stores, or, you know, in other words, real life. Um, this leaves a lot of room for growth of snacks online. So, you know, e-commerce has picked up tremendously for other household items, like I mentioned, toiletries, vitamins, other consumer products. Um, but again, not quite there yet for snacking. Uh, for one thing I mentioned earlier, that online snack sales already rose 25% in the last year, and we're really only at the beginning. Uh, E-commerce has also kind of served as a, a leveler of the playing fields between some of the emerging startups and, and the established players. Instead of only having to complete 
compete for, uh, excuse me, compete for shelf space. The startups now can compete for real estate digitally and can fulfill orders direct to consumers or through the growing number of internet retailers, uh, including Amazon. So uh, we just talked about impulse purchases. Snack makers need to really consider creative ways to capture those impulse purchases online if they're not coming through the, the brick and mortar stores as, they're, as much as they're used to. So uh, some online retailers offer impulse options at checkout, similar to the checkout aisle of a grocery store. And, and another thing like advertising on e-commerce retail sites can also drive shoppers to to impulsively purchase your brand. I, could, I couldn't agree more. So let's stick with this digital uh, digital aspect for a minute. David, you and I met earlier this year mm-hmm. at, at one of your snack conferences in, in Philly where, where me and my team, we were presenting on social media and digital. And, and, and social media has become such a pivotal piece for, for snack brands and all brands um, in how they communicate, how they connect with consumers. Um, many snack brands, like food brands, unfortunately, they struggle in this space. I mean, even the ones who are doing it right uh, are, are typically maybe doing one to two platforms right, and they're not doing holistically their digital program uh, the way they should be or doing it to the most effectiveness. For instance, like Drake's, you know, they're, they're, they're killing it on Twitter. I mean, they do, they do a great job on Twitter, and they do, they do a good job on Facebook. Kind and Oreo. Um, Incredible with their content on Instagram. Uh, the great aesthetics, the visuals look terrific. The messaging is is awesome. Uh, not so much on Twitter and Snapchat. They they've got a lot to be desired on there. Uh, you know, and and of course you got to give an honorable mention to Moon Pie. They're they're just one of the pioneers on on Twitter for sure. And then Lay's. I mean, the Lay's Smile uh, social campaign just just blew up on 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 social media. Um, and I don't want to put you on the spot here but what are what are some of your thoughts on either brands that are doing this right or brands that need to do a better job here or or how you know how they can deliver how they can connect more with consumers in an authentic way when it comes to social and digital i mean one of the things that you just mentioned a second ago i love that that some of these online stores are adding that impulse element at checkoff hey have you tried this and a nice visual come up what are your thoughts on this yeah, and, and I agree. I mean, I learned a lot from from your presentation in Philadelphia. You know, encouraging food brands to create their own personalities on social media to really really resonate with consumers. It, it's so important. It's also all about engagement. You know, most people. You mentioned the Lay's Smile campaign. Most people also remember the Lay's Do Us a Flavor campaign to really get their consumers directly involved in in product development. It's a totally you know innovative new way to engage consumers online. Um, Lace does a good job. Many of our other member companies do as well. Uh, most, mostly, all of them have great stories to tell. Many having grown up, you know, their brands grown up locally in their various regions with, with very loyal fan bases. They do a good job of playing to their consumers' emotions, like we talked about earlier, and the nostalgia associated with enjoying their favorite snack foods when they were kids. So many of our our brands are really a symbol of someone's hometown. That's one thing that they really do a good job of playing off of. Um, For example, like Cape Cod potato chips, a a very popular snack food that really grew up in Cape Cod. They do a pretty good on social media with playing to that that region. Another one based out of Detroit is Better Made Snack Foods. They're they're very... um, very ingrained there in the Detroit community, and, and everyone from Detroit 
uh, know their snack, and it's mostly all their favorite snacks. So they do a good job with engaging their consumers online and, as well. And they have and they have a great story. I mean that that's exactly. key. They have a terrific story that resonates with consumers, and it and it comes across as very genuine, very authentic. Exactly right. Yeah, exactly right. They grew up where, where their consumers grew up, these brands did, and, and, and that's just really easy to play off of on social media. Absolutely. So I've got, I've, we're going to wrap things up. I've got a few just kind of random questions I'm going to hit you with here, and you can just give me, you know, give me your quick answers on these or long answers or, or, or whatever. What do you see? So we talked about a lot of different things that are kind of trending now and that are hot now. Um, what do you see as the top emerging trends now in snacking? And this could be, you know, you could be looking at next year or the coming years, but what do you see as the top emerging trends? Yeah, you know, and we talked a lot about these emerging trends, the, the probiotics, the, the new ingredients, the, the new categories that are exploding, and really taken from like 30,000 feet. It's, it's really how this lifestyle shift has transformed the category and spurred on this innovation across all product categories and, and really created new categories as well. But, you know, we talked about this at, at length. So a new trend that is, is transforming our industry, it's, it's really how the snack startup is driving innovation in the industry. They're very agile. They're flexible to try things that, that maybe a larger company would be a little bit more hesitant to do. And, and really, it's because what do they have to lose? That You know, they're just started. Uh, they, they just started up. And, and really, this trend is, has just started. But in the coming years, I think we're going to see all kinds of new ingredients. We either didn't even know what they were or hadn't heard of them or would have never imagined that they'd be in a packaged snack food. Um, so, uh, you know, what, what we've talked about, I think, is really just the beginning of this big wave of innovation that we're going to see uh, in all categories and in new categories over the coming years. What do you see as the biggest disruption that's currently in, in the marketplace? Like, what what's out there that's really shaking things up and it's got the big guys kind of quaking in their boots or everybody's scrambling to try to to adjust to this uh, disruption in the marketplace. Yeah, you know, a, a few years ago, and speaking of like the big guys quaking in their boots, it was, I think, this ready-to-eat popcorn category. The Skinny Pops, the Boom Chicka Pop, you know, these were just startups that really exploded onto the scene. Uh, they were able to market their products with, with words like skinny. You know, they're a healthier snack alternative. They provide this guilt-free indulgence that consumers more and more, you know, craved. And, and consumers really jumped at that, and, and the category exploded. Uh, there was a really a revamp of that entire category. It grew by double digits in some of the past years, and it's still growing today. Um, but today, in terms of categories that are really stealing some of these impulse purchases from other categories, it, it, I think it's really that prepared meat, cheese, fruit, nut packaged snack that grew in the past year by 45 percent that's just a, a, a complete explosion of one category and of course you know that 45 percent comes at the expense of some of the other other categories that that exist today uh, you know it's a perfect meal replacement it's seen as less processed you can really see what you're getting uh, it's often low carb um, and it's, it's again it's just a ridiculous growth rate well, you may have just answered this next question, but I'll, I'll, I'll ask it ask it anyway. You know, it's the it's this elephant in the room question, the uncomfortable question that you may say, Jamie. Yeah, I'm going to pass on that one. But with with all of the demand in this category and all the new and exciting things that that we've talked about, why is it that we're seeing so many of the big, big, major brands still bleeding and struggling to to to, to show a profit in this in this space? Yeah, sure. And, and I wouldn't say they're as much 
much bleeding, but in some categories, you know, like popcorn, I just mentioned the startup companies came in and, and really transformed that category. But the bigger guys, you know, they're not going anywhere and, and they're getting in on this innovation also either one way or another. Um, many big companies have established their own venture capital funds for the purposes of acquiring some of these startups. They've, they've also launched their own incubator and accelerator programs to help nurture the startups and, and give them funding and, and mentorship to, to help them innovate and really navigate the category that they're, they're used to navigating. Um, and they're really partnering with incubators such as one of, for example, the Hatchery Chicago, uh, which, by the way, over 80% of the startups that company works with are in the snack category. So, so they're capturing this proliferation of, of innovation uh, that we're really seeing out there. Uh, but there is also now a lot of demand in the marketplace for the smaller startups to fulfill. Agreed. I think that's, that's a great point. So lastly, look, i got to ask you about bugs. You know, I keep, <laughs> I, I keep reading how hot bugs are in other countries, how it's such this great sustainable snacking and food option. And, hey, I've tried crickets. I mean, look, I'll eat anything on a dare. Um, I tried some crickets, and they're they're okay. I mean, the the, the seasoning was good on them, but look, I'm not going to sit around and snack on crickets or or bugs and things like that. I'm just I just don't see myself doing it. I mean, do you see this taking hold in the states in any way? <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. I mean, you never know. I, I've tried them too, and. And they aren't bad, uh, but like you, I'm not adding them to my, my grocery list uh, just yet. <laughs> I know insect ingredients are supposed to be you know, good for the environment. I, I think there will be a niche, uh, a niche of consumers who, who really buy into this, um, but whether it'll go mainstream or not, unless it has to, I'm, I'm not really ready to, to make that just yet, but you never know. I mean, I know the Seattle Mariners sold uh, crickets at their stadium and they, they sold like, uh, like, like hotcakes, you know, consumers just, just ate them right up. I, I don't know if they still are or not. And I can't remember if that was this season or last season, but so you never know. That's a good example of, of that trend catching on. Yeah. I mean, I passed them around the agency and people, tr- most people tried them, not everyone <laughs> tried them, but you know, it was the, the seasoning really is 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 what is what makes them so the different types of seasoning that they had. But hey, we'll see. I've I've seen stranger things happen in this in this business, right? Right. Yep. Right. So, so David, it's been great having you on the show. I mean, snacking is always a, a super exciting topic. I mean, people love talking about it and experience. I mean, it's really part of all of our lifestyles, and and I agree with you that it's it's going to continue to grow. So before we say goodbye, talk to my listening audience a little bit about about your organization, the, the benefits of being part of it, uh, how they can how they can get in contact with you, what are ways that you can help them. Uh, just give give a plug for 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 Snap. Yeah, absolutely, and it's been it's been great. Uh, being on the podcast today. Um, Snack International, it's, it's the International Trade Association of the snack industry. We have about 400 member companies worldwide, and that's kind of split between uh, the U.S. And, and outside of the U.S. And it's also split between these snack producers, these brands that we, we've been talking about, uh, but also suppliers to the industry. So anything from ingredients to packaging to, to frying equipment, baking equipment, distribution, uh, marketing services, anything that a snack manufacturer, snack producer would need to, to grow their business and, and and compete in the marketplace, chances are we have a vendor in that area uh, that's part of our membership as well. So, But really the benefits of being involved uh, with Snack International, which which we just rebranded two, three years ago, formerly known as the Snack Food Association, uh, but Snack International stands for Snacking, Nutrition, and Convenience. And we really rebranded because of this 
evolving industry that we talked about today where we really diversified our tent of members or anything can be considered a snack these days and we're really attracting uh, all kinds of companies big small you know new new and emerging to traditional but back to the kind of the benefits question it's really threefold right it's it's education something that snack international does that a lot of other trade associations don't do is that once you're a member uh it's it's free to take advantage of many of our educational services jamie and i met at our market force sales and marketing conference at St. Joseph's uh, in Philadelphia, and that was just free to attend uh, for our member companies. Another great program that we offer is our Emerging Leaders Program. It's kind of like a professional development mini MBA program, and we partner with Georgetown University on that. We've re- recently launched a, a 2.0 version of it for kind of like the next step in the in the leadership journey. That's also free to take advantage of if you're a member uh, of Snack International. And then there's things like frequent webinars. We we help our member companies. Uh, stay Stay updated on what regulations are coming down the pike, what regulations they need to comply with, how to comply, kind of the main trends of where the industry is going, help them learn about the industry. So that's the education aspect of it. The other major aspect of uh, and benefit of becoming a member is, is really the networking. We bring the entire industry uh, together. Um, all our rents uh, have both snack manufacturers, producers, and suppliers to the industry collaborating over issues, building those relationships, doing business with each other. Uh, and uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention our main event each year is, is Snacksbo. So Snacksbo 2019 takes place March uh, 31st through April 2nd in Orlando, Florida. It brings all these suppliers to the industry together. They all exhibit. Uh, the snack producers come from, from all around the country, all around the world to attend. And there's just a ton of great education uh, at that show to help help our member companies learn about the industry. So all our events have great networking uh, aspects to them. I'm actually leaving tomorrow to attend our executive leadership forum, and that's really for our member companies' presidents. It's kind of a high-level, close-knit, intimate networking conference, but we have some really great speakers at that one as well. Headlining the uh, the speaker agenda there is, is Indra Nui, who will be chairman and CEO of PepsiCo for just, a, I believe, a few more, di- few, few more days now. So really high-level speakers at that one. And so that's that's kind of the first two uh, uh, buckets of benefits, education and networking. And the third is advocacy. We really help our members elevate their voice uh, here in Washington, D.C., to, to, to lawmakers, to legislators. If there's a, an issue, whether it's about labeling or food safety or what have you, it's our job to make sure our members' voices are heard uh, uh, here in, in, in Washington, D.C. And really, we, we help amplify their voice. We have a, an event that brings them to Washington each year called the Legislative Summit, and we help them schedule meetings with their congressmen, their senators, and really talk about the issues that are f- impacting their businesses, impacting their employees. And it's really about bringing the entire industry together to, to kind of uh, uh, form a coalition over over specific issues and, and help the entire industry succeed. So I know that was a bit long-winded, but that's kind of Snack International uh, in a nutshell. If you'd like to learn more, you can visit our website at snackintl.org and, and hit the contact us tab and my contact information is is right there no that's great stuff hey that that's what this podcast is all about david it's about you know giving people resources to better manage and grow their brand uh, providing resources and a community of, of food and beverage people so now it's, it's it's great great stuff i thought that was a very thorough thorough explanation and hey if you're a, a snack brand and you're not a member get on there join <laughs> Dave, Thank you, it's been, Jamie. It's been great having you on the show, Dave. Thanks for for coming on. 
Yeah, thank you. It's great to be here, and I really enjoyed talking to you, Jamie. Yep, snacking is always uh, super exciting to talk about. Hey, this is Jamie Allabach. You've been listening to the Peppered Podcast, where I bring season talk for food and beverage marketing and brand professionals. Let's grow your brand together. <laughs>